Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Christian, and you are watching Ride the Fence. Today, I'm not going to have anybody else with me. Um, uh, me and Christian tried to work it out, but our schedules just did not line up. It really is my fault. Uh, I gave him a different time than I ended up being available. But for everybody out there who watches kids, y'all already know that it's very difficult to plan things around a child's nap. So, you know, I'm doing what I can for sure. Uh, but I don't want to leave everybody in the dust all the time, and I feel like if I um, wait until our schedules line up, there's going to be very little content. So I wanted to go ahead and at least try to put something out today. I am woefully unprepared, so bear with me here, but I do have a few things that I definitely want to talk about. Um, one... Um, least important really on the list, I think, but it was pretty interesting. I'm sure everybody else who follows politics saw the, um, I believe it was Gary Chambers, who is running for the Senate, uh, I think a seat in Louisiana, if I remember correctly. And in the ad, um, he is narrating, um, but it's like a video of him smoking a blunt while he is narrating it. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind really is just the fact that he's a Democrat, honestly, I understand that Democrats are generally far better um, with marijuana uh, legislation than um, Republicans are. I mean, assuming that, you know, everybody listening right now also agrees that weed should be legalized. I know I believe it should be. Um, but it, it just seems a little ridiculous because we do have, as we speak right now, a Democratic majority in the House Representatives, we have a Democrat as the president. Um, we have a Democratic, um, democratically controlled Senate as well, as we speak, 50-50. Um, but the vice president, Kamala Harris, breaks the tie, tie-breaking vote. Um, so we need to understand that there's a strong possibility. Now, I don't know Gary Chambers and everything about him, and, I, and I'm not interested enough, even by this commercial, to go read about him for a long time or anything. But... I will say that he, um, just by being a Democrat, I think it's important that we should all, you know, that we all go look at his track record and, you know, what it is he's talking about, what he's done so far in his life um, regarding things like this, because just because a politician smokes weed does not make them automatically cool or something. I mean, the ad itself was, was interesting, you know, but it, it doesn't make someone inherently good. There's plenty of bad people out there that smoke weed, so... Um, you know, try not to get dragged too into the hype if you haven't already. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about, I just saw it just a few minutes ago. There was an article by in, from NPR, and I'm sure other news outlets have followed suit, although I don't know for sure, um, but I would guess that they have. Uh, families are in distress after the first month without the expanded child tax credit. That is an article that came out today, actually. Um, not too long ago, six hours ago or so. And when I started reading the article, uh, what tripped me out about it was it's this, it's pretty much this sort of sob story from a woman's perspective who has multiple children, who is a stay at home mom and whose husband is the only person working and getting a paycheck in this house. So right off the bat, I guess this is the 1950s. We are dealing with the 1950s scenario. How many of you out there have ever been able to live on your own without anyone else's income? Um, I, I mean, I have before, and I'm sure some of you have, but it is very difficult to do. And that was several years ago. So it may not even be possible anymore. I don't know, but I would, I guess it depends upon your occupation, but 
I've never even considered the idea of having a single income household and multiple children. So right off the bat, you know, I don't know this woman and maybe she really is struggling and I don't think that it should take two incomes to pay a mortgage. But also, I mean, the idea that they give a child tax credit, which is like basically a slight increase in the deduction at the end of the year that you cash out and, you know, if you didn't, um, you know, you don't owe more than you would be getting, um, except very small amounts throughout the month. So, um, you know, we have one kid at this point where my wife's pregnant, so we're expecting another, but, um, we got $300 a month, um, for, I don't know, however many months it was in, in action, not the entire year. Um, and now it's canceled. Now I put my, uh, my portion of that aside and saved it for this moment um, that's coming up when we all have to file our taxes because I'm assuming that I'm going to owe money as a food server since I don't actually really get a paycheck. They pay me $2.13 an hour. So uh, it, it didn't really help me so much as it, it was actually became a little bit more of a pain in the ass because I had to personally set it aside. Um, the bright side of that, I was able to make a little bit of money with that money, um, which is something that you definitely don't get when the government holds your money for you. Uh, so perhaps we should all just use a little bit more self-control and instead of relying on the government. But the thing is, is here it is January 21st, this article comes out and it, ha it wasn't even a full year of the child tax credit. This is what bothers me about it. Um, how has anyone become completely reliant upon this child tax credit in such a short period of time? I do not comprehend that. Um, I think that the real issue here, though, like I'm starting to sound like a conservative now probably to some of you, but hear me out, okay? Because I think the real issue here is the fact that people were begging for help long before this child tax credit uh, came into into existence. So the this article is framing the child tax credit as if it's our savior, when really the real issues are the fact that, you know, we pay so much more in taxes than even billionaires do um, in some cases uh, as working class people. And then, you know, our payroll taxes, and stuff like that, which are supposed to be in some cases matched by our employer, like Social Security and stuff like that. Um, you know, they do match it. But really, I think that we all know that they match it by just not paying us properly. Um, and then, you know, that's almost factored in to their costs. Like we're going to pay them a little bit less because we have to, and they'll do anything that they can to get over on us and to make as much money as possible off of us. And then when they're done with this, then they leave the government to do the rest of their dirty work for them, these corporations. And, um, and now this me, like this very small amount of cash, $300 a month, you know, I mean, that's, it's something, um, but it's something for the most part. I don't, I don't know that we would have gotten the equivalent of $300 every single time, but it would have been, you know, still thousands at the end of the year either way. So it's the only change is the fact that it's happening, happening more times than once a year. Um, but it's not like it's a whole lot more. So I don't, I think that this is just more of more neoliberal crap basically is what I'm saying. It's just another way to turn, um, something like this. That's like in no way whatsoever, um, a saving, you know, any of our saviors, you know, it's not the real solution. It's a bandaid on a bullet hole, but they're kind of framing it as like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And thank God for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democrats for blessing us with this wonderful, you know, garbage, you know, scraps. Um, 
So I wanted to bring that up. And I also saw something else that was interesting. And I don't know if uh, they talked about this on Breaking Points or not. I know Sager actually was the, the person that I saw who posted this um, on Instagram the other day. I don't watch a lot of Breaking Points. I don't listen to a lot of Breaking Points. But, you know, I do have him followed on Instagram. And so I saw, um, you know, Eminem's updates mascots to represent a more dynamic and progressive world. And then... The small caption, you know, the little caption on there, the smaller text is Eminem's icon mascots are getting an updated look in personalities and backstories to align with the fact that consumers value inclusion and belonging more than ever. Green will embrace confidence and a new pair of kicks. Red will tone down the bossiness. Orange will acknowledge his anxiety and more. Um... My my response to that is just fuck liberals. I don't know what else to say um, other than just that. I mean, they they seem to focus hyper focus on the most foolish, uh, complete waste of time sorts of things like the appearance of stuff. But, you know, on a deeper level, it is all about profits. It is all about, you know, screwing over working people, putting more money into the pockets of billionaires. I mean, that really is their goal. And they just kind of. They want us to focus on, you know, whether or not a particular M&M gets diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, just like every other 13-year-old white girl on Facebook, you know. And I, I just think it's it's just sad um, that, you know, we've gotten to this point. Um, another article um, that had a lot of coverage, it was basically uh, talking about, you know, what kind of progress has been made during Biden's presidency so far, which we're a year into it now, y'all. Still no, none of the promises that were made. Uh, I'm not shocked. I never supported them. Can you say that? I don't know. But try, you know, at least don't put yourself in that situation again next time. You know, we got elections on the way, you know, midterms are coming up and then a couple years down the line we'll be having it. We'll have another opportunity to get screwed over by, you know, two major political parties that work for the same guys. But, um, you know, it you know, one of the, the narratives that came out of the look at Biden's immigration uh, promises and, you know, what he's actually accomplished, you know, in comparison were, you know, they were all talking about, here's one of them, another one from NPR, Biden presidency, one year in, youth disappointed on immigration. And it's basically, um, again, another sort of a a sad story from somebody um, who feels let down by the Biden administration <laughs> and, you know, felt like, I guess, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were going to actually accomplish something um, during the time that they were in office. I mean, it is, it's funny to think about, but... Um, shocker spoiler alert they haven't um most most in most of these cases where they fall short they tend to blame republicans but the fact is again that they are in control of the entire house of representatives the senate and they have a president in office they have no excuse really whatsoever aside from the supreme court which in many cases unfortunately uh rules with republicans and with democrats on issues that we all probably wish that they wouldn't um so you know we can we can i can understand if there's any issues that come up there um but in uh, in other 
another avenue is they they have nothing stopping them but themselves. Literally, you know, they they try to blame people like Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. But the thing is, is that they knew that those people would be in those positions when they said, you know, help us win these seats and we'll be in complete charge. We'll change everything. We'll help you guys out so much. And here we are a year later, none of pretty much none of it. I mean, I would say none of it really has happened. Um, the things that have happened that have been good have been, you know, screwed up in some way. Uh, for example, leaving Afghanistan, stuff like that. You know, we we should have left. Um, we should have stopped battling. Um, we should have done this. But of course, even in that, it's bittersweet because, you know, they have to bomb some people on the way out. And, you know, they, they have to screw up just royally every single time. Um Republicans may win not just the House, but also the Senate in midterm elections. It's a This is an article from Market Watch, um, and it's a pretty interesting article. Mostly the value in it is just explaining which seats are up for grabs and what the percentages are, like what wh who is favored to win. I want to point out that we what we know is that we, you can't always rely on what you're told is going to be um, the case. You know, you don't just because they say that someone slated the win does not necessarily mean that they are slated to win. Um, and I saw this the other day too. Uh, I'm I'm not putting a lot of eggs into this basket or anything, but it was hilarious when I saw that some people are, are speculating now that, um, you know. Hillary Clinton will run again um, against Donald Trump again in 2024 because they they don't think that Kamala Harris is is likable enough to be able to win, uh, and and then on top of that, uh, you know Trump is expected to run again. Um, I, I'm I'm thinking he may end up backing Ron DeSantis, but I guess we'll see. So you know, just think about that. You know, these these folks have not learned. I know I know people who canvassed for very uh, left wing politicians who have said out loud to me just after having brought up the fact that they're, you know, the democratic party is considering running Clinton again um, and said that they would actually vote for Donald Trump. If Hillary Clinton was put up against, you know, a Republican nominee again, they would vote for him just to make a point to the democratic party. And I, and I, I don't want anyone to vote for Donald Trump, but I, it's hard to blame people when they're constantly placed in situations like this. I mean, can anyone, really blame people for voting for Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. Like if you had to pick between the two of them, it's almost a disgrace to think that they would try to feed you someone like Hillary Clinton um, at a time when someone who seems to be as dangerous as Donald Trump, you know, presented himself to be. Um, I don't know. You, it seems like you would do a little bit more to pre present someone likable. I guess to them, it's like who is like the most shitty person that we could possibly put in this position who will do as much of what we want them to do as possible. You know, who, how low can we go and still retain enough votes to win? It seems to be their strategy. And it's been working for a long time, unfortunately. Um, there is a little bit of talk about banning members of uh, Congress from trading stocks. I don't understand how we have reached a point in time where that is just something that we're talking about. Why did we ever allow this to be possible? But when you read a little bit further into, into these articles, here's a, a little tidbit from this one. Uh, Colorado Republicans Republican Ken Buck told NPR, I think it's a good idea to ban members from trading stocks. He doesn't think members are abusing the system or acting inappropriately, but said it's an appearance problem. 
I don't know of anybody that has profited, but I do know that members of the public are questioning whether we get insider information, end quote. Um, <clears throat> you don't know of anybody that has profited? Okay, look, I wait tables in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I make $2.13 an hour, and in my free time, I change diapers. And even I know people, I know members of Congress who um, have used their positions to make money in the stock market. So if I know that, then I would hope that someone who, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know who the hell Ken Buck is, but assuming that he is some public figure um, and more than just a random person, I mean, it does just say Colorado Republican, so I, that could mean anything. I guess let's look it up real quick, just so that way no one walks away with some uh, okay, he's a representative. He is a member of Congress. This type of... You don't know anybody? Look, none of these people should be able to write legislation that determines where federal funds are, you know, what they're going to pay for, which is our money, okay? It should be an equal amount of people's money, but in, unfortunately, it is mostly our money and then not mostly large corporations or rich people's money. But... Um, you know, for them to be able to determine where that money is spent, how much is spent, what is and isn't legal, and then also be able to trade stocks. I mean, that's master manipulation of the market. You could completely control how things turn out. I mean, yes, speculation is always going to be a wild card, but at the same time, um, you know, saying, hey, you know, this, the, we should be able to negotiate prices for X, Y, or Z drug or, you know, item. And then also being able to purchase stock in these areas is just absurd. It's a it's blatant conflict of interest. So I'm glad that this individual was able to say that. Um, and then, of course, there are other people um, who say that they don't think that this is, you know, worth the trouble. Um, I, I think we all know why. I mean, who would want to miss an opportunity like that to, to make more money? Um, something else that's... Uh, you know, another developing story um, is that the White House is sending out free COVID tests. Now, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily against this. I mean, I do think that people should be able to test themselves and see whether or not they have coronavirus if we're going to try to dictate everyone's life based on these test results. I think that would be good. But the problem is that I highly doubt that these at-home tests are completely accurate and even if they are completely accurate, even if my guess is incorrect on that, um, you can't just send a picture to your boss of one of these tests. I mean, if your boss is nice enough, sure. But, you know, most of you guys know that you can't just send these pictures to your boss and expect them to be cool with it. You know, a lot of these companies, they want you to sit in line and send, have the official results sent to them. They want to know for sure that you didn't just do it yourself, that you didn't just color on it with a marker or a colored pencil. They want to know these things. So, yes, even though that might help you to some extent, it's not solving the bigger issue here. And then on top of that, you know, we may not be in the situation that we're in now had we not been able to, you know, had we not sent these out forever ago when this was first becoming a big deal. At this point, I feel that it's probably completely out of control and there's not a whole lot that anyone can do. So I don't, I don't know why we're constantly obsessing over this now, but I, I guess I could be wrong. You know, I mean, I, I'm not uh, exactly the smartest person in the world um, when it comes to, 
you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. So I, I would say though, that it is, it's unfortunate that we're in this situation. And it kind of goes back to what I was speaking about before about, you know, members of Congress trading stocks. I and mean, we have evidence of politicians being aware of the threat of coronavirus, the potential threat that it could be, um, you know, where the area where it originated. Um, we, they, there are members of Congress who knew this. They knew this. And instead of telling us, they traded stocks for months, weeks, days, months. It doesn't matter if it was minutes. They made decisions before letting us know because it was more important for them to not lose money than it was for, you know, for us to potentially save hundreds of thousands of lives. I mean, who knows the actual numbers of people who died, but what we do know is that people have died from this and that, um, is a, is a travesty, really, that they're able to continue to trade stock um, even after we have, you know, we have actual evidence of things like this occurring. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. But, yeah, I, I again, like I said, woefully underprepared, but I was able to, you know, talk about a few things for 20 minutes. So I guess I'll pat myself on the back for that. Um, I do appreciate everybody who decided to listen today. I know the camera angle is a little bit weird. It's just because I was expecting to uh, go on call with Christian and I just kind of was early just because of my kid falling asleep and didn't want to, uh, to miss the chance. So I figured why, why spend the time moving it? You know, most of you guys are listening to this stuff anyway. But uh, if you have not subscribed to us yet, please click that subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, click subscribe and then click that little bell and then click all so that you actually get notified when a new video comes out. Um, and Spotify now has the option to rate shows. So please give us a five stars wherever you're listening to us at. If it's Apple podcast or Spotify, um, if you're on YouTube or Odyssey or anywhere else, please click that thumbs up and wherever you're at, share this with other people because, um, neither I nor Christian Marino uh, can afford to pay for advertising right now. There's just, we're just not in a, you know, a spot financially where that's possible. Hopefully we'll get there someday. Um, we will keep doing this until the end of time. So, um, you know, don't worry about that, but please help us um, spread the word by sharing this with others. So anyways, uh, thanks again, everybody. Y'all have a wonderful day. I will see you next time. And I'll probably have Christian with